Good. Uh, Aisha, would you lead us in the Fatiha, please? First slide up. Okay, is that is the slide visible and the? Okay, and also if um, you might, I just learned about this recently. You can always go up to the view and hit gallery, and then you can still see lots of the rectangles plus the share screen. So, go ahead and do that if you like. So we'll look at the fourth surah, the surah An-Nisa, the women. So last week we looked at the shortest surah, and today we'll look at this one here. And the, we're taking what we've learned from last week and uh, diving in to this one here. And we will really be diving in. And when you dive into a, a pool, you might find particulate matter. So we, if we look at this particulate matter in a pond or a pool, then we can see, if we look at one way, that it's muddying impurity. So there's lots of mud and impurity. And this is the recognition that language is limited. And so you have mathematicians with Gödel's theorem and scientists, everyone will agree that language is limited and that you can't, for the seeker, go from here to there in a magical or automatic way. Now, recognizing that language is limited is a wonderful path to realizing that there, is, there are ways that you can use language to go from here to there but it won't be in, the, in this rational, objective way. It will be in poetry, in lyricism, in the use of language that will help guide us to where we want to go. So this rational, objective, uh, deducing, inducing, examining, thinking, thinking, manhandling the data, all of that is going to give us muddying impurities. So Ibn Arabi will lead us away from these muddying impurities. The only time that we can go straight to these particulate matters and get something out of them is to use what is in the Arabic or Islamic term ijtihad, which is your own uh, search for what the answer is using the book and the sunnah. So using sacred texts and a prophetic example. 
Okay. So this is the, the only way that we can go to these muddying impurities directly and get something out of them. So if we're asking questions about uh, how should I live my life? Uh, what about physical distancing? What about vaccinations? What about medications? What about uh, how do I deal and work in a pandemic? All of these questions the answers are going to be from the mathematicians and the scientists, they will tell you, we cannot predict and we can't tell you 100%, but we have these ideas, we have this consensus and all of these things. And that's recognizing the limitations of language. So Ibn Arabi takes us to say, there's another way that you deal with these muddying impurities. And this other way is starts from the image of there is a divine projector, a divine light, which comes to a membrane and then projects a image. So that's the shadow play, that there's a light, there's a puppet, and behind the puppet is an image that's been cast, a shadow. And so when we see this and we understand this, then we realize that facing the images that are cast uh, just with our back to the light will not necessarily help us understand what we're really trying to understand. That if we want to understand the truth, the light, we need to move towards closer and closer to the membrane, closer and closer to the puppet. So we can see when that light first hits the puppet, what that light is telling us. So this coming closer and closer to the membrane, instead of simply doing scientific analysis of the images, is the way that we, we gain and we are given knowledge. So the, the words that we've seen over the, the last nine months with Ibn Arabi, we've seen the the description of these two sides of the membrane, the barzakh. We've seen the idea of flush against the membrane, flush against the image. So humanity is created flush against the image of Allah. And that being flush against means you're as close as you possibly can be to the source. And the source is then teaching directly. In graphical terms, you can see the asymptote where you get closer and closer to the line. And so you can be on an arc that's, that's far away from this membrane and gets closer and closer and closer. And that's the bow. And then when you have the two bows and they are coming closer and closer, the membrane stretches, the string of the two bows stretches. Ibn Arabi talks about this, when you get to where the shadow puppet is, then you are the first place where the light hits the shadow puppet, us, is the special face belonging to every site of being. So every puppet, human, plant, mineral, every puppet is receiving this light. And if you go to that directly where that light is received, you're at the special face of the divine, which belongs to every being. And this special face is where the Quran and the Torah and the gospel were revealed. And he's also used the image of Sadr. Sadr means center or chest. 
and it's what confronts. It's the first thing that this light touches. And when we look at where this light is touching and we, we study and we contemplate what has happened to the, the film that has been projected onto, we're looking at the traces and the tracks of the divine. Now this, in a three-dimensional world, in a shadow play, the light is over there, the shadow puppets are here, and the projection screen is over here. But in this higher dimensional world that we live in, the place that we use language to describe where is this place where the light hits the shadow puppet? And the answer is deep within, it's within. So now, when we look at these particulate matters, if we are close into this membrane, close to the screen, then, we, then things change for us. And the way things change is that we are receiving information, knowledge, experience, adjectives, qualities, not from the images of the world, but directly from this light that's projecting. So these are all of the verses, be aware of God and God will teach you. If you are aware of God, he will provide for you a criterion. The Rahman, he teaches humanity the Quran. If they had stu stood with the Torah and the gospel and what was sent down to them from their Lord, they would have eaten from above them and from below their feet. So this is a place where we are receiving directly from the divine teacher. And or we receive from the feet of those who have been divinely taught. So Ibn Arabi takes this verse and says, this doesn't mean that you work with your feet on the ground and you tread, tread, tread and try to get knowledge that way. He's saying you go to the people who've received their knowledge directly and from their feet get what they have gotten. This is also receiving from the family of remembrance of the divine. So if you do not know, ask the family of dhikr, of the people of divine remembrance. This is take a fatwa, a decision from your heart. So directly, not processed through the intellect, not processed through people's ideas, suggestions, uh, their own fatwas but process directly into your heart and you see what does the heart say? What does the heart learn? And this is then also inheritance bestowed by the prophets. So this is taking from under their feet and inheriting from them. So when they pass away, they, they give us the knowledge that we then inherit the knowledge that they had. And this is also, we use the word lightning flash, the first lightning flashed in your interior chest. So this is how Ibn Arabi tells us, come close to this screen, and then all of these granular, these particulate matters, this granularity, all of that will be shown to be pure. It's actually what is the, the medium in which this light is projected, and the medium and the light is pure. These tracks and traces are what hit each individual in their special face and each created being has that special face. 
So I've used the images of filters, veils, religions, cultures, languages, all of these uh, filters or all these places which can be shown when the light is shining on them, you then see the light is true and the filter is true. If you're only coming through and looking at the filters without reference to the light and not seeking the light, then they are simply muddying impurities. Now the way this light hits each shadow puppet is different and each shadow pup receives it differently. And so each shadow puppet, each individual, uncountable individuals are all absolutely necessary. So for this light to be giving knowledge, each knowledge will be different. It's the same because it's this divine knowledge, but it's all different because it's hitting the shadow puppets differently and each shadow puppet is different. So everyone, the, everyone's sight of being is a necessary sight of being. You must be, I must be. And each person's personality and mixture, so misage in, in Arabic and in Urdu, each person's mixture, which is unique, is necessary. So this is following these tracks, looking for the tracks. And these are the tracks that come to the, the shadow puppet, come to our interior chest, come to our secret self. And Ibn Arabi has used the imagery of scarring and wounding because the word, when we are told to be, we are given a divine imperative. And this divine imperative in Arabic is called kalima, a word. And kalima is related to kulum and kulma, so wounding and wounds. So words uh, do, you know, and it's not just sticks and stones, but words do make an impact on our interior chest. And the film that's receiving this light becomes uh, um, scarred and pitted and has traces and, 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 and marks on it. And these marks are what we then study, just like the record player in the old days, the vinyl record has these grooves and these grooves have lodged in them songs, sounds, music, and the stylus goes around them and pulls out their meaning. So the same way we go to our interior chest, our secret self, and we search these, uh, these scars and these grooves, and we see what can we learn from them. Okay. And we have Hamid for this one. The full moon of truth is rising. Souls of love will never part. You have honored the true Medina of the tender human heart. Welcome, 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 Yara Sulallah. Welcome, 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 Yaha Habibullah, the timeless soul of Rasulallah. 
enters into the realm of time beneath his green robe of boundless light only perfect essence shines well merhaba oh rose of prophecy merhaba oh merhaba merhaba nightingale of ecstasy merhaba oh merhaba his right finger of perfect unity splits the moon of duality from his breast on moonless nights shines a light that at all can see. Welcome, 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 Yana Habi Allah. Welcome, 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 Ahmed Mustafa. His long hair falls upon his shoulders its fragrance is purest musk lines of air are filled with sweet perfume when the desert breeze blows at dusk merhaba living surataha merhaba Oh, merhaba, merhaba, yasin of merhaba, oh, merhaba. Okay, thank you. So this green robe, uh, which we welcome into our, our inner cave, into our secret inside within, uh, this is the the watching and seeing and observing this most beautiful of the puppets of the shadow play puppets. And we're watching the most beautiful uh, image making uh, body. And so this is the welcoming into this place where Ibn Arabi is, is drawing us towards. Now we, this, this imagery then of this place where the light is, is striking is, for Ibn Arabi, is the map of the alighting places. So the alighting places is where you go to meet with this divine light that's being projected. And through the 114 surahs of Quran, each of them has a map, which he then begins to describe in from book 19 to book 27. Uh, 2,500 or so pages of maps of each surah has its map. And this map is very much a, a map. I, as a child, I was absolutely fascinated by maps. I guess I still am and would always be looking at maps. And just, I love to see maps. And then as I got older and went to colleges and universities, I would look if they had in their rare books, archives, any old maps. And I just love to see these maps. And now I'm beginning to understand the fascination of that is that these are places that, you, that are mapped that say that if I were to go there, what would I see? And I can only read a map if I know my own map. If I know, oh, when I see a mountain, this is what a mountain looks like. So if I were to go there and see this mountain, this is what I would see. 
So in this map that I'm have, I've have right in front of me, this one is one, a place that I have spent, you know, so many months and, and some years. And each of these places then becomes very special places where I've experienced something, seen something, smelled something, tasted something, touched something. And when I see this map, I know I can go back there and learn what I might not have known when I was there. And so this is the same way when we read Quran, when we read Quran, we read it and we read it and we have an experience. But sometimes or most of the time, that experience is only made alive for us afterwards or when other things are happening. Then we go back and say, oh yes, this was the description of that place, which I now have experienced, which I now know for myself what it is. So in this particular map of the fourth surah, the women, uh, Ibn Arabi has these, this chapter that he's written. And so this chapter that he's written is about this map. And he's going to take us along this surah, this enclosed area, and he's going to tell us to look at this place and look at this place. And he'll give titles for them. So this, uh, the ijtihad that we spoke about earlier, that came from these three lines here in this text. And now here's my English translation of this text. We'll look at number one. Um, we'll look at a few of these things. We'll look at number two over here, uh, number three down here, and number four. I have to move the screen. Here we go, four over here. And last, we'll look at this last line where the five is, and a knowing of the hijra, which is leaving to sever loving communion. So what happens is that this map that he's making, he's seen all these places in the Quran and in each of these enclosed areas. And he would, he's describing them to the people sitting in front of him who are writing things down. And at one point he's saying, he just is realizing this is so difficult to be describing every single feature of this map. And someone comes to him the next day and said, I have an idea. Why don't you just tell us some of the places and then for the other parts of the map, just list them, give us a list. And everybody says, I was so delighted by this because now, you know, huge load off his shoulders. So at the end of these chapters, he has this long list of when you go here, you'll see this. When you go here, you'll see that. When you go here, you'll see this and that and this and that and this and that. And he, all he has to do is give one line to say that, what, he, what you're looking at. So we'll look at one of those lines, which is an knowing of the hijra, that is leaving to sever loving communion. So let's look at the first one. And, uh, and so here, now don't try to, uh, you, you don't have to necessarily, I'm going to go somewhat fast, just absorb what can be absorbed. But the key or the, what I can pull out is something about the most taqwa and then from one's soul. Um, and uh, Omar, could you read that uh, hadith for us? حببت إلي من دنياكم ثلاث النساء والطيب وجعلت قرة عيني في الصلاة. Okay, and I think uh, and Klaus, if you read the the poem that begins this uh, enclosed place. 
The soothing of the eye is simply the soothing of the soul. Look to every meaning buried in sensory objects. You will find who my mountain support if you are someone observant of the detail, of the variety, of the kind in all their properties. My eye witnesses none but whoever, while the people are in doubt and confusion about all this. Perfume and women most goodly share with the intimate conversation of the prayer in meaning and in soul. So in the prayer is my very being and women are for us a throne and in perfume breaths of my beautiful beloved. Thank you, yes, yeah. So this is the, that sensory object buried in them is the soothing of the soul. So Bernadette is saying that when the Prophet when he prayed, he saw who was in front of him and that soothed his eyes. Now, what is in front of him in the sort of physical light blocking way is, you know, the, the what are those called the Brownian motion, the little dust particles in the, in the, in the air, you know, a door, a wall, a tree, sand, all of that was what is what is in front of him, but who was in front of him was what soothed the eye. So he saw who was soothing his eyes in these particulate matters, buried in these sensory objects. And so he said, made beloved to me from your world are three women and perfume, and a soothing of my eye was made for me in the prayer. And he said, indeed, your Lord is one, and indeed, your parent is one. So there is no excellence of an Arab over an Ajam, nor an Ajam over an Arab. There is only excellence by Taqwa. And then he recited, indeed, the most generously noble of you for God are you with the most Taqwa. And he means by the one parent, Adam, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is his word. He created all of you from a single soul. So this is actually the beginning of the Surah Anisa, the women, which is this first close part of the, of the Surah, which, he, which Ibn Arabi is now looking at. Okay. So Baki. Crying where the unity the wishes of us Crying words of unity, whirling with the front. Illallah, my wide open 
crying words of unity. My soup is on the mountain. Crying words of unity, to meeting with Muhammad. Thank you. So we have so many languages. We've got the language we're speaking this moment. We've got the singing language. We've got the mathematical language. And it's just that mathematical graph just seems to me to be very much like whirling and, uh, and whirling into unity in a way. So uh, these are the different ways of explaining. Uh, and so we begin to use language fully recognizing its limitations. And by recognizing its limitation, you can then begin to play with them. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the axiomatic uh, difficulty or example of the difficulty of and the limitation of language is this statement is false. This statement is false. So if it's false, then it's not true. And if it's true, it's not false. And so it's a mess. So it just tells you language is limited, but then you can play with that and you can just begin to say, so just who with a capital H I mean, W-H-O is who. So you can say just who is who. And that will say, oh, okay, now everyone, now you all know what I'm talking about now. You're just saying you can, and it's not because the language got you there. It's because you know what that we're looking at here. And this is just one way to get there with language. So, so knowing the limitations of language is quite liberating. So uh, I looked at that list of, of this, inside place that we go to, to receive directly from the divine. Uh, so the, the puppet shadows that we are, you know, where does the light hit us first? And in the multi-dimensions, it hits us first inside, deep within. And so we want to be asking the people of Dhikr, the people who remember this, who know where that light came from and who know in their own chests where the tracks are and where the divine has made tracks and traces. So this is what they learn. And so this is from Ibn Arabi then uh, cites, as he does very often, the mother of the faithful, Aisha, said that, that the prophet وسلم, remembered God all his life. So that remembering God all his life is always knew where that light was touching. And then a third part of this, uh, this surah, this enclosed area, is the special face and then harvester of knowledge. Ibn Arabi has a poem where he talks about himself as the harvester or the, of knowledge, the sower of seeds. And this one is, there is after all only God, nothing other than who. And there is after all none but two, and God is the third. See, he's playing with the language. He knows that if he, one sentence cannot be understood without another sentence and another sentence. The knowing which he spoke to us of has given birth. So indeed I am on account of my knowing the truth, a sower of seeds. This image that's the light that's coming and making image through this shadow play, this shadow puppet who I am is 
birthing and creating new images. And so when I know that, then I am the one who is birthing these new images, these new worlds, these new realms. And this is who recognizes oneself, recognizes one's Lord. So if I'm only looking at the, at the, at the images, and, I, and at one point I do, I turn around and look at the images, and I begin to realize that this image is coming from somewhere, and that where it's coming from, the image that I am, is completely different from me. It's not me. It's me and it's not me. And then I turn around and say, once I know that, I turn around and say, there is where the image is coming from. There is the light. And so that's how I need to know my image to know the image maker. Okay. And then the fourth uh, place that I've just chosen out of this uh, lighting places. So it probably has those six pages or so all of these alighting places. You go into this place, you'll see this, you'll see the mountain, you'll see a pond, you'll see a spring, you'll see a prairie, you'll see all of these things. Uh, the fourth one that I was looking at was this one where God makes beloved to the men the completeness of the woman, of the women. And so, and I haven't had uh, our editor, Rowan, look at this passage yet. He'll do something magical with it and make it work. But there's a line from the as to the so. So let me see if I can read it. This is Dip and Arby's beautiful long one sentences. And as the women are a site for bringing into being and the human being Adam requires because the human being is flushed against the divine image that he be a doer active and necessarily the active doer must have a site to affect and he desires because of his completeness that there originate from him only completeness just as he was originally when he was complete because Allah gave each thing its character creation. And this is the completeness of that thing. And there is nothing more perfectly complete than the being of the human being, which is Adam Eve. And that is only in the women, the ones God made them aside for bringing into being. And the woman is a part of the man through her being effected by an effecting. The effecting, Adam Eve, that lump, which she was affected from, that is the rib. When the rib was removed, Adam became incomplete. So, therefore, he made beloved to Adam, to the man, the perfect completeness of the woman. And as the woman, as we cited, is exactly the rib of the man, so the sight of bringing into being whatever is brought into being in her is only himself. So his likeness does not emerge visibly from him except in his entity and in his self. Now consider how strange and wondrous this matter truly is. Then anyone to whom there arrives something like this knowledge, they have surely inherited from the prophets. Blessings to him and peace concerning this making beloved in this face. So <laughs> that's, uh, and what's so, what's so fascinating about these passages, and, it's, and, if, and if they're not clear, it's because I need to keep working on them, is that once what I see it, once you see it, it is just so clear. And then you realize that's really one sentence, and it's all put together inside one. Now, the last part, I said that was that fifth part when he starts listing. So we're taking one item of that list, and he's just going to go quickly through everything and say, You'll find this, you'll find this, you'll find this. So the way the translation of this part is in this alighting place, the surah for the women, there is, and then he writes, a knowing of the hijra. And hijra 
is leaving to sever loving communion. So it is the leaving and severing of loving community, communi communion. Okay. Um, if Salah is here, uh, he was going to uh, read that the verse, and this is the, the famous verse 434. Uh, Salah, are you able to, to read that for us? Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So I'll, I'll just give uh, a partial reading of my own. And so Ibn Arabi is saying, when you go to this surah and you go to this enclosed place and you go to this one spot in the map, uh, you'll see Hidra, which is leaving and severing loving communion. So therefore, what he's, what he's telling us is this place, when you look at this place, you won't find any beating or any hitting you'll find leaving to sever loving com communion. And so from my work with Ibn Arabi, inshallah, I've inherited something from him, then this is a partial reading that if he had more time, this is what he might've said. So this partial reading of my own. The men, and generally, that is generally, men in general, not specific men. The men are the support and are to support the life and the work of the women who are perfectly complete or becoming perfect com complete and the arais of Allah. These are the brides of Allah, which are the saints, the peers. They are, they have, when they pass, they're going to their wedding day. So that's called urs. So they're called the brides of Allah because in them, all of these uh, beautiful manifestations are being birthed. So these are the women. So these are the women who are uh, so by sex, by gender, by society, by personality. And if you know them, the women who are in sex, gender, personality, or some facet, to be nushus. Now nushus is a word that is applying in the same surah to women and to men. So it doesn't have, uh, there's not, of course, if you read sort of patriarchal uh, translations, you'll find that nushus for women is a really bad thing. And for men, it's not such a bad thing, uh, but it's the same word. And what it means is when you rise up and get tall and big and arrogant, 
And when you're tall and big and arrogant, you're not a place for the image from the divine, the light to come and to birth something beautiful. And that's why uh, to, be, to be flattened, to be leveled, to be like Mother Earth is the, is the way to be in order to give birth to things that are beautiful. So if you know them to be Nushus, that is not a place of, of Mother Earth, but of this very mountainous arrogance, then exhort, and the word exhort later on in the chapter, say, I simply exhort all of you with one thing, that you all stand supported before God and leave them, so sever loving communion and their beds and turn away. So then this word is understood the way it is as the fourth form, I held back, I turned away. And then we end with, indeed, God is the one who is elevated, not you or not me. Mighty, not you, not me. So this is uh, a moving to what one line that he gives. Uh, Ibn tells us one line, uh, and this is my exploration of that map based on what I understand from the rest of his map making. <laughs> and this place then is, uh, if, if it were three-dimensional, a shadow play, the place that we're talking about would be the front, the chest of the shadow puppet, because the light first hits the chest of the shadow puppet and then makes a shadow. Or if we're looking at the imagery of the mirror, the light hits the mirror and then the image is equidistance behind the mirror. But in um, higher dimensions that we are in, the light first strikes deep within. Oh, I need, I need to make sure I've got this done just right, just a second. Share sound, and then give me lots of thumbs up if the sound is coming correctly. Oh. 
Isn't that amazing to always find shelter? So always is al-da'im, which is continuous, perpetuate, so always. And then find shelter is samad. So samad is the place we go for shelter and to resort to. And uh, of course, then she says no language. And then tenderness, the place where the word hits first is a tender place. And so we have tender heart, uh, and which is different from a heart of stone or like a rock. And so it's tender and it gets easily injured. So, okay. So thank you.
let me open up the chat and Hamida, if you could help us, that'd be good. Uh, unmute, unmute. Some use the term intellect to describe the power of the heart and reason for the mind. What do you say about this? Yeah, well, for, for but I would be the uh, intellect is, is a constraining uh, faculty. And so it's, it's, it's like our eyes, it's like our ears, it gets information and then it needs to be processed. But with the intellect, we often get information and say, I don't need to process it. And that's the intellect speaking. So be careful of the intellect. See, when the eye sees an optical illusion, the eye is giving you the correct data, but your mind has to say, oh, that's an optical illusion. It's actually this way or that way. Now we have to do the same way with the intellect. The intellect gives us information, gives us data, and we have to say, let me process that data. Um, and, but the problem is the intellect is very strong in some people and it says, don't process me, I'm telling you the truth. And so that's the biggest problem. Uh, so you could maybe, uh, the word intelligence might be a way that I think that the, the, the person here using the power of the heart, we can maybe use the word intelligence. So that, that the knowledge that the heart has and that the heart has intelligence. Um, and then intellect would be that, uh, that part of your your faculties that that see that that you know that have a mind on things, so that might be the way to handle that. Um, appears they're trying to translate intellect for occult, which can be said to be a limited translation at best, mm -hmm. because intellectuality appears to bring arrogance. Then again, reason is related to rationality, which also is counterintuitive to the way of the Aribs. Yeah, yeah. So that the uh, the arrogance uh, and that and that sort of the, the ego, the arrogance of the intellect is you know very good at, uh, at at constraining things and then saying this is all there is. Uh, and so we just said that with Goodell and and mathematicians, the idea that language, mathematical language, is limited and un and not complete. And that you can't have a complete, uh, completely uh, congruent algorithms in a mathematical language. That it can't be. Just the way this statement is false is one that shows the limitations of any language. And so, but the intellect wants to hold things, enclose things, and say this is the truth and nothing else is. And that's, and that's the arrogance that comes with the intellect. And what we need to say is that we need to process that information, say that this thing that I just saw, it is God, but it's also not God. It's a divine image and it's not. And so that yes, no, yes, no, is what keeps me from saying, only this God is the real God and these gods are not real gods. And that's why we have la ilaha illallah. What Arabic word is used for the heart's power? Yeah, I'm not sure about the meaning of that question. Um, so Kalb is the heart and Takalub is the heart's turning. And so the image is that the heart is there and it presents his tender side each moment to what's coming in from the divine. So the divine light is hitting the shadow puppet. Here's the heart and the heart receives the first light 
and then it moves and receives another light and then tender, it's getting tender by now because it's starting to hurt. And so more light is coming and the heart keeps turning. And each time it turns, it receives a new light, uh, a tajali. And so this is the image that for those of you my age and you remember the Nikon cameras where you push the button and we go and automatically we get the film advancing. Well, that's that's the idea of taqallub is that the film, oh, the shutter opens up, the film takes the light and then it quickly advances and the shutter opens up and the film takes another light and it quickly advances. And so you have new film receiving each of the lights every time the shutter is opened up. And so that's the property of the heart is that it's able to move quickly enough so that it can receive a new brilliance from the divine at every moment. Personally, I think of connecting to the secret sur hidden within the recesses of the cup for the power, yeah. waiting to see Shuab's response to that. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. There's sir, so, so that's why I think when I first made that slide, I put down, I think maybe uh, both sides of the membrane. And I said, well, you gotta say special face too, special face. And then, well, you know, it's the inner secret also. And so it's all the, all the ways that Ibn Arabi describes these. Um, so the inner secret or the, the seer is this inner secret. And it's the place that is the special face. It's the first place that the divine comes to. And it's the place that when you receive that truth, you know that's true. There's, there's complete certainty that this is true. And so that is your, and it's also using the idea of the inner secret that each person has, that my inner secret is different from your inner secret and it's a necessary that ours be different. So that each one is a new and different uh, reception of the divine brilliance. So seer is uh, this inner secret or other ways of translating it uh, is, is quite beautiful. And the idea of secret then is that um, be, because it's, it's, it's hidden and concealed and within, therefore it's secret. And things that are out and broadcast are you know, outward. Otto Bakker said that before he saw anything, he's Allah. How is this different from seeing who in the particles themselves? Yeah, so what, so Abu Bakr's, the two beautiful statements that he makes that Ibn Arabi quotes often are the inability to perceive is perception. That is to recognize that I cannot perceive everything I need to perceive, that is a perception. Uh, the other one that he quotes often is that I never saw anything, but I saw Allah in front of it. So. And then he has this another statement from another uh, that is, I never see but I, anything, but I see Allah behind it. And then there's, I never see anything, but I see Allah with it. So there's in front, behind, and with. And this is our limited language trying to explain and trying to, uh, to, uh, to tell people what they're experiencing that they see this, they see Allah is in front of that, so that they see the light that strikes the particulate matter. And some of them see the particulate matter glowing and say the light is coming from behind them. And some see the particulate matter and the light separately and, and distinctly and saying, you know, that this light can only be 
perceived when it is light blocked, when its light is blocked by a matter, piece of matter or a body. And so they see them both at the same time, the unperceivable light and the perceivable light, which is the light blocking. So this, that's, these, these, are, these are the ways Ibn Arabi is saying, let's look at what we inherit from, so inheriting from Abu Bakr is that every time I see something, I know I only see it because the light is shining on it. So I see the light before I see what's behind it. Beautiful. Um, the next two comments I think belong together is that see something like Fuad, the recess of the heart, and then the answer, Seer is the point of connection with the divine. Fuad is another dimension of the heart as far as I know. Yeah, so uh, for Ibn Arabi, the Fuad is this lump that's in the chest. And so the Prophet said that you have a lump of meat in your, in your chest. And if this thing, if that lump is healthy, the whole body is healthy. If it's, if it's sick, the whole body is sick. So uh, the Fuad is the description of this, of the, this physical material mass and the, and the, you want it to be healthy so that the whole body is healthy. And then the heart as taqallub, as qalb, is the one that is alternating, alter and going back around and around and around and around all the time, getting a new face to the divine each time. So fuad as the material mass, qalb as the one that's turning around, seer as the place which is the truth that you know when you go deep inside, and then the waj al-khas, the special face. So those are some of the ways to, to work through what Ibn Arabi is telling us here. Can you please share more about uh, Ijtihad? That slide was skipped over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and note, but we were on time today. <laughs> so Ijtihad. So Ibn Arabi is telling us that if you want to know about, uh, because they had in those days, they had pandemics and things like that. Do I go to the mosque? Do I go to the place of worship? Do I uh, join people on Friday prayers or do I distance myself physically? All of these questions that come up, the way that one handles them, there are a number of ways. One of them is ijtihad. And ijtihad is using the book and the sunnah, the prophetic practice. And from that, gaining evidence to, ex to tell you what you should do in this particular situation. Now we are encouraged to do that so much that we're told that if we make a mistake and we, and we come up with the wrong answer, we're given one reward. If we come up with the correct answer, we're given two rewards. So this is telling us, make your decisions, go yourself to these two pieces of evidence or three, if the consensus, go to them, draw evidence and make up your mind that way. This is how you're going to answer what needs to be done right now in a situation that is, you know, 21st century US or UK or wherever you are. And so this is telling us don't go to like the scholars and ask them what their opinion is. You say, you know, I can use my, I myself can go to the evidence and come up with my answer. And I'm encouraged to do that. And I'm told, even if I make a mistake, I'm encouraged to do that, I'll be rewarded once. And so that's working with the muddying impurities. The other ways that we were talking about to take a fatwa from the heart is to go straight to purity and what you get is pure. And you are certain with that. So ijtihad sometimes gets it, sometimes doesn't. 
whereas the fatwa from the heart is always right, is always correct, and is always true. What's the connection or relationship between the third eye situated behind the forehead um, to, um, to see beyond the unseen and the heart in the chest and seed of God as well as seed of the truth? Yeah, yeah, though, yeah, that's the so the, the third eye. Well, Ibn Arabi talks about sight and insight. So the sight is what is what uses outside things, and the insight is what moves from inside things. So sight and insight. But there's also um, the the heart sees, and then what the eyes do not see. So Ibn Arabi is saying that the the way that Allah is saying that I, the heart of my slave who is faithful is vast enough for me, whereas the cosmos is not. The way that Allah says this is that the heart sees Allah directly as in the first brilliance. And so when the heart sees that, the heart says, is a faithful heart, knows that I there is an unseen. So that the Allah that I see directly coming to me in my heart, chest, in the first thing, my eyes on the outside don't see it. So it's unseen to the eyes, seen to the heart. And the definition of faithful, of Iman, is to know the unseen and be certain of the unseen. So the heart that says Allah is visible to me, invisible to my eyes, is the one that is certain of who Allah is, and that heart is then vast enough for the divine. Uh, Muhammad Mubaris has an off-topic question, if that's okay. Okay. Um, are you writing it, or, or you want to go ahead and un unmute the mic? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, so the question was uh, from the book of Charity, Mysteries of Charity. Um, mm -hmm. It says something about um, the Hadith, the Rasulullah quoted, Man kunto mola ali mola. So, what is the significance of like giving charity and with the molan? Like, if you can okay. relate something, or like, what is the. Yeah. Charity have to do with like mola. Okay. All right. Well, we we can we'll pr probably have to look at that uh, in in detail another time. But just very briefly, that the first is that Arahman, the charity falls in the hand of Arahman first, and then lands in the hand of the beggar of the person asking for something. So the charity falls in Arahman first. Arahman then makes that charity grow, and then it drops from that hand into the hand of the beggar, saying, "Please give me, please give me." So in that process, you see, you see the divine name. You see the divine being the receptor of this charity, and then the giver of this charity. And so now that makes this hand here, the hand that received it, uh, becomes uh, 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 complicated. So made to be many fold. So we're not sure which hand that is. Um, so that the receiving is Arahman. And then, so Allah gives, Arahman receives, and then the beggar is given, you know, please give me what was, what was given. And so in the same sense that 
when Allah gives, there are different bodies that receive that giving first. There is there, and so these bodies are these, you know, then of course there are the, the beloveds, the, the Muhammad Sallallahu there Ali. These are the these are the bodies that receive, and then when they give, uh, then it's not clear to us who's giving it. Is it from the first hand that gave or the first hand that received? And so with that confusion, that's where we get into uh, the, that's how we transcend limited language to see what's really going on. But we really have to go into that another time. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, so comment, whoops, it just disappeared. Hold on. Uh, words can express everything except the truth. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Okay>. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 so that's, and that's what we talked about, this idea of, of magical, that, oh, if I get on this ladder and start hiking up this ladder, I'll get to the top. And the answer is that's not how it, how it works. Um, and the answer is that, First of all, Allah has to give you a ladder. And then when you're given that ladder, the one step doesn't follow the next. You still need grace for the next step and the next step. Um, and so that's telling us to be, the instead of being arrogant and manhandling the data, we are in a state of humbleness and waiting for grace to know step-by-step step what we are, what we need to know. As a dervish, we're taught we are also taught Allah is Yaqafi, Yaqafi, Yaqafi. Is Ibn Arabi teaching us that we need a woman in our lives to be complete or vice versa? Many saints and prophets never got married, e.g. Jesus and John. Aslam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, well, I mean, that's why Ibn Arabi says so many times uh, what that, the, that if you knew what was in marriage, you would want to be married. Married, um, but there's but of course, the the grace of Allah is never limited, and therefore there are other expressions and places where and experiences where these things can be can be learned and known. And this is uh, it's, it's very important because it's it's not when he when Ibn Arabi is talking about marriage, he's not talking so nikah. He's not talking simply about, you know, people in their 20s and 30s who are fertile and making babies and so on and so forth. He's talking very differently. He's talking about that marriage. And then he talks about divine marriage, spirit marriage, and body marriage. So he's, he, it's, so the experiences can be experienced. You can experience those things, whether you're in a bodily, spiritual, or divine marriage. And, I, and we don't get too much into the divine marriage because you can be sure that, that a lot of people will be uh, horrified when he starts talking about divine marriage. Because I started looking this up in, in, in different sources and I realized you know, no one really talks about nikah ilahiya, you know, divine marriage. And Ibn Arabi talks about all over the place. <laughs> so, but then that's where we got that poem from chapter 560, you know, that it's the one that says, thank God there are no men. We're all mothers who are having the divine midwife um, help us through the birthing of the realities that are coming out. I've read there's a heart math whereby the heart has its own magnetic resonance and that it communicates directly with the mind. This is some new research. Yeah, there, there, is, there is a lot of very interesting explorations about uh, that 
well, neurological cells, that, that brain cells that are in the body. Uh, the heart has its own understanding. The gut has its own truth. Ibn Arabi told us that in the gut, there are these, these uh, nigh invisible uh, beings whose sacred trust is to digest for you or to repel if you, if you eat something that's poisonous to you or harmful to you. And so he's saying that, so when you say, I have a gut feeling, what, what you're in Ibn Arabi terms, you're saying is that all of these beings with their sacred trust are telling me something that this thing that I just saw, shall I, should I do this? Is this person trustworthy? These kinds of questions, the gut, the beings that are in the gut will say, if they don't want you to trust this person, or if they don't want you to go into this situation, they'll say, I'm ready to throw this up and you'll feel nauseous and you'll feel, uh, and you'll know this is not somewhere I want to be. So that's in a case of the gut with its own intelligence and all these beings are intelligent telling me something. And so I need to learn that the intellect gives me information, my gut gives me information, my heart gives me information, and I need to process all of this and not just say, oh, only the intellect is able to give me intelligence. <laughs> Can't we receive direct knowledge from light by dreams, for example, and also from the, the feet of the guides? Why one or the other? But no, I, I said, and or, <laughs> I'll go back to that slide if I have to, and or. So you receive directly from the divine teaching and or you receive from the feet of those who have received directly from the divine, and or you receive as inheritance from the prophets who have received this knowledge, and or you receive this from the fatwa that came to your heart, the, from the, the truth that your heart could know. So it's all, it's all of this long list of beautiful methods that Ibn Arabi is pointing us to. This is how we understand and know what is true, and that if and it's not going to be the intellect, it's not going to be this rational objective thing, it's going to be inheriting, uh, taking from the feet of, opening the heart, polishing the heart, purifying the self. These are the ways that we'll receive all of these things. Beautiful. Sometimes personal ijtihad done by each person for themselves can be very dangerous. For instance, leading to people deciding it is right to unleash violence on innocence. We are in the third part of the night and need to take fatwas from our heart. How do we prevent such things from happening? Yeah, I mean, so the, the so the destruction that the that the intellect. So this is not so much ichtihad an issue of ichtihad because ichtihad is very much individual, and so you don't you can't incite a mob like yesterday using ijtihad. Ijtihad is what you personally will do when you're saying, um, you know, here's, here's a remedy for me and, it, and I think it may have alcohol in there. Do I take this remedy which has alcohol in it? Uh, that's a question of ijtihad. And so um, you wouldn't then go on and tell other people what to do. Ibn Arabi said, and we, I guess I should have read that passage because Ibn Arabi in that passage says, and this is for you, and it's for someone else if they ask you. And if they don't ask you, then no. So, you know, so I never tell someone, my ijtihad told me this, that I should take this remedy even though there's alcohol in it or whatever it is. Uh, I don't go tell that to someone. Someone may ask me, and if they do, then I can say my ijtihad gave me this. Um, 
So that's that's it. And then, but the intellect with its unleashing of, of disasters and destructions and violence, and that is why how sacred text, any sacred text, any religion can be used to instigate violence because these are filters. They are not, they, they, they have, they can be used and misused. And so there is no magical thing that, oh, I have this verse from the Bible or the verse from the Vedas or verse from Quran, and it will magically uh, make people believe they won't be violent and they'll do the right thing. That, that can't happen because it's in our language. It's in our languages. And so because it's in our languages, it's going to be able to be used and misused. Um, Mike, Regarding your response to charity, to Rahman, and then dot, 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 can that be connected to Takalub? Takalub, yeah. So, um, yeah, let me see if I can. Yeah, so charity and Takalub. So Takalub is, is always ever-changing, ever-changing. And so what, what the one who is ever-changing is, is forever seeing anew what the what is being projected what's coming through what light is coming through and so um in the same way that that abu Bakr can see allah in front of everything that's because every that every time he looks he looks fresh and when he looks fresh he sees that allah is in front of that and some and the other person says i see allah behind that or parallel to that um, and so this is that freshness and that why we also talked about Ibn Arabi cites when the prophet opened his shirt for the rain, because the rain is the first thing that's coming down. It's fresh rain. It's, it's, not, it's not fallen and gone into a pond or something like that. It's just coming straight, straight in. And so you open up your chest to receive that for the first. And this is also uh, why the truth of Isa, of Jesus, is as the fresh, because he came fresh from his Lord in the cradle speaking. And so, so this is why we go for the fresh things, the new things. Um, so Latifa Shahab has a dream she'd like to share if there's time. Well, I'm, I'm quite happy to, to, to stay on over for a little bit. If I'm, I'm not sure how long it would take. If it's more than five minutes and let's, short. I would love no, it's, it's fairly short. Okay, let's go, let's go for it. We've got a few. Yeah, um, it, it's just relevant, I think, to what you've been saying. Um, the, the peer of my my order, uh, well, first of all, I was I was laying down on the floor and there was a big mirror on the wall to my right. Mm -hmm. And um, the peer of my order had a big sword and he started at my my feet on my right side and he was demonstrating with the sword um saying um moving from my feet to my head he said um you fight you have battles you realize the image you are fighting and you see the clear mirror and then start building from there mm. so, <laughs> well, so i'm wondering what what your thoughts are on the the last bit do you see the clear mirror and start building from there yeah well first well let's let's start with the prophetic method first tell me more about what what you interpret tell me what you interpret oh, um i i would i would say that the fighting the image is what i think i am possibly ah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
um, and the mirror is what I get confused about what the mirror actually is. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I know you, you talk about the membrane and mm. and all that kind of thing. So if you get a clear mirror, then from what you've been saying today, I kind of think, well, maybe that's where you get to the stage where there's just clear light and you yeah. can right. take things as they come um, mm. and see mm -hmm. them. Yeah, and so the and so the the sword is helping the the limited self, the the perception of a limited self, and is and is is you know fighting the limited self to create from from toe to head to create your this the beauty of seeing the mirror directly and not in the in the limited image. Does that, that sound about right? Could you say that again? The sword is fighting the the the, the limited the limited self the the ideas that I'm I'm this I'm that. Um, the sword is helping go from toe to toe to head to say you're none of these limited images, and then the mirror is there to remind you that who you are is the one who's looking at you. This very, very touching. Thank you. <laughs> Those are beautiful images. Beautiful. Can I ask a, uh, just a brief question? Please. I, I uh, read the article on the heart math, and they call it heart math because oh, they said wow. there's this magnetic field that around our body, but right, the heart right. has its own res resonance, right, and that right. it is powerful in speaking the first things to the mind, oh, good, if good. the mind is able to receive it and listen. Yeah. I keep thinking of this factor from the heart, the chest, the mm -hmm. center. If we, like Rumi says, polish that mirror mm -hmm. so that we can see clearly, then is it oh, the heart that gives us the clear vision of knowing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's, that's beautiful. And I think it is that the idea of frequencies come up a lot. We've talked about a little bit about that the angels, the 70,000 angels every 24, in 24 hour period are pummeling your, your chest. They're coming at you, 70,000, you know, not always evenly spaced sometimes, but they are coming at a frequency. And so when we're in a certain frequency and that's like the, the, in the prayer, in dhikr, when you're in a particular frequency, there are frequencies that seem to be very receptive to these angels, to these knowings that come. And so in a sense, the brain is saying, speed it up, get, get it quicker. And the heart is saying, slow down to try to get the rhythm and the frequency to be the right one. Yeah, heart math, that, now that'd be fascinating to follow, to look into that. And Ali Rahman is talking also about magnetic resonance of, around the earth and how the, these, these waves around the earth are coming and that we can also connect into them as well. And so those moments when we feel maybe slow, sure and full those are perhaps those met those moments when these frequencies are are becoming are coming together mm, thank you um Latif, i just want there's a in the chat box mark suggests that the mirror in your dream is the primordial self as opposing the limited self which is the form mm. or the image mm. um and then uh, Andrea Holbright has raised her hand for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, we just spoke. We, we just, just oh, got that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, um, uh, I have yeah. a quick question. You can, well, well, there's one more here that comes first. Um, mm -hmm. 
the sword could be the sword of truth from the pier, eliminating the veils, unveiling the light. Some more suggestions about the dream. Yeah, when, when Latifa was mentioning about the mirror uh, and, and how the mirror fits in with all of that, a mirror, you know, is the one that the huck, the true, looks at that mirror. Um, and then the image is us. But if we're saying my image is this, then I am in a sense self-limiting. I'm saying I'm only me in this particular body at this age, and 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 uh, you know this all of the all of the changes that are going on. And so to to eliminate that, to cut that away, and say what is my true self? That is the idea of when I look at the mirror as a true self. Who do I see? And then you see who. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I have a quick question. This is Kasim. Oh yes, uh -huh. please. Um, uh, maybe different from this, uh, you know, today's topic, uh, as uh, I couldn't join, uh, you know, the full program. Um, uh, my question is about uh, Prophet Moses. Um, he um, heard, you know, obviously the voice uh, of uh, Allah, right? But when he asked, like, I want to see, he was you know, he was just told that you cannot see me. So why is it that, you know, he was able to hear and he was not able to see? Was it because, you know, the, the core uh, name or the sifat that was given to him was Kalim, which is Kalam, you know, like, which is to talk. Mm -hmm. Was it because of that, that he was not able to see? Uh, I mean, why there is, uh, you know, that. And, and just follow on on that one. Um, you know, when uh, Musa, uh, Musa he met uh, Khizr mm -hmm. for the, and then they traveled together. Right at the end, when the Quran, they, they summarize, uh, you know, they, they, uh, the Khizr al-Islam wraps up the, the journey. Uh, the first one where the, the child was killed, he says that it was me. Then the second one, he said it was me and it was us. Nice. And then the third one, he says it was him, you know, it was God. Now, was it because, um, you know, he's just showing the different stages of how the development works that initially, whenever you do something, you think it's you when later on, you think it's us. And then, you know, or is it because um, of some other reason? Uh, these are the, just two questions. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, Ibn Arabi uses that, the, that's, that story as the, as the description for adab, adab, the proper uh, behavior or the courtesy, the courte courteous behavior. And so when something is uh, blameworthy in society, like killing the child, then uh, it's our job to attribute that to ourselves, to say that I did that. And then if there's something which has a good in it and a bad in it, then I say, we did that. So I did the bad part and God did the good part. And then when there's something that's purely good, that is helping the orphans, then the answer is God did that. So I attribute all goodness to God, all badness to me, which is socially or societally described as bad to myself. So that's that's the, the courtesy of doing that. Um, and earlier you had said about, right, the vision and the, and the sound. Now, when you see something, you can take the, the visual memory. So if I see this tree, it's and it is God, I can say that tree is God. And then I have that in my visual memory. And I say, I saw a tree and it was God. And so 
this, this is a problem because God is the tree, but it's not only the tree. And so hu lahu is and is not. But sound is quite different. So sound comes and, and when, so when sound comes, I, I perceive it and then it's gone. So there's something very special about sound is that it, it is perceived and then it's, then it's gone. And so it doesn't exist until I hear it. And then the moment I hear it, it no longer exists. It only exists while I'm hearing it. And so this is how sounds uh, don't let me make the mistake of saying God is limited. So sounds are a way for me to experience the divine and say, this is the divine without being able to then say to the next person, oh, these five notes that were played is God. <laughs> and so I can visually, it's very easy to be an idolater, but orally or soundly, it's not. And so this is one of the reasons why sound is so important and that it's and because sound comes, it goes, it comes and it goes and does not stick around. And waves always move. You cannot stop a wave. So here's a wave of music coming. I stop it and say, this is now my God. Um, I can't because it's no, it can't stop. To stop a wave is to, is to make the wave disappear or go somewhere else. So, okay. So th thank you very much for all of this. And uh, yeah, go ahead and email me any, any ideas or, or questions I'm, and we can continue with that. But it was so good to see everyone. Thank you in this new year. Okay. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.